0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another fun filled and exciting episode of Justin Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben Tom.
1: Man, we talked about we were gonna go back to a weekly schedule and then uh due to some circumstances beyond our control, uh, we had a, a guest planned and had to temporarily not be able to do that because of some Wi Fi connection issues, but you know, here we are. We're gonna we're a little bit behind. We're gonna get caught up on our uh some medieval medicine but how you been man uh you know
0: good yeah that's good. That's
1: <laughs> I yeah just uh I ain't talked to you for like two weeks but yeah, yeah no exactly. I'm good
0: no, yeah. no we talk every day so it's I, know. I will just go ahead and we're gonna forewarn um for the people that don't care about animals no nobody or you'll be like eh, and people that love animals are like ah oh, this is the first puppy cast um My puppy is in the room with me, and she will not stop walking around, so I like the added element of surprise and possible carpet peeing at any time during this podcast. Uh, Gives it an element of danger, almost.
1: And that was the 2.8 million yen (laughs) puppy.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) The uh, 9 million lira puppy (laughs) is in the room with me. That should be fun. Who knows? might get a random bark at some point. Who knows? Yeah, we'll find out. But no, it's uh, been good. Just uh, busy at work. I'm I'm sure everybody else is as well. So,
1: yeah, it's been busy here. We've uh, had a couple of providers out with some surgery issues. Um, So I've been working some extra hours there. So I'm ready to get back to a normal schedule of just seeing my patients and not covering walk-in and everything else. But, you know. It's all good, getting ready for uh, flu season. Kids got their flu shots today. They were so happy.
0: Oh, everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they walked into an ambush of getting their flu shots. They were thrilled. But it is what it is. They're protected. I already told them I got mine, so we're good. You got, uh, you got your kid or, kiddo protected?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, no. I don't believe in big pharma, so... I'm just shut up. <laughs> so, so dumb. Of course, I got my kid a flu shot. Everybody in my family has got a flu shot. So that's yeah, good. It's not really. It's not even a question. I mean, honestly, what legitimately sane person anymore would have a problem with that? Well, we still need to do that debate sometime. We do. Then we will. We will. One of these days. One of these days. But but.
1: On. yes i figured we could do our social media shout out get it out of the way because i know we got a bunch of interesting things to to delve into this evening
0: well then um i think we're waiting on you well you
1: can find us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube all at just on podcast you can find us on the web or at www. you know, like i messed it up and you didn't even mess with me
0: no i was busy trying to get on the web see i'm crunching ice.
1: Yeah, see, it, I, those are my headphones. <laughs> you can find us on the web or at We are also on Helium Radio. That's Helium Radio After Dark, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 central. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app. You can also email us, admin at
0: com. Tom, what else can they do? Well, first of all, they can tell all their family and friends about us. I mean... That's how we did it. Then they can go to the Just Some Podcast website. They can scroll down to just about the bottom. You're going to see a little link that will take you to the Amazon website where you can complete the rest of your Amazon shopping. It will not cost you anything. You won't even know we were there. But the proceeds from what you buy will go to helping the show. So please help out and make sure you use that link. And
1: something we didn't mention a minute ago, but we probably should have, Tom. We are going to be in new orleans and i don't know about
0: june-ish time yeah yeah i didn't know if we were gonna make that announcement but yeah yeah we're we're gonna be uh balling big time down in nola
1: that's right so we actually got selected to uh, present about the effectiveness of podcasting to educate advanced practice providers you are our sample size so congratulations so uh, Tom and I will be there presenting at least one day, and I'm sure that we will be doing some fun. Hell, we may do some live broadcast from AANP 20. We don't know what we'll do, but I'm sure we'll be doing some some JSP at AANP.
0: Well, first of all, I like how you slip that JSP in there with that. Yeah, you got to have the JSP in there. Also, I would like to point out, I'm going to go with the how this is not effective whatsoever. <laughs> When what, what we what, Yeah, when we show the point counterpoint, you're going to be like, I talk about educational factors such as how to properly diagnose or treatment options for flu. Tom, on the other hand, likes to insult people from Vermont and call them maple syrup trolls. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the entire yes, show all, right there.
1: If you're uh, planning on coming out to A&P next June, make sure you try to plan to come see us because we'll be there.
0: I'm the good-looking one. Face <laughs> for radio, ladies exactly. And uh, a face even a mother couldn't love. It's awesome, but no, I'm I am super excited. And again, all the credit goes to Ben. He came up with this idea of hey, let's see if we should present. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I filled out the little thing with him, and they sent it in. And then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, what do you know? <laughs> Somebody wants us to come talk about this.
1: I've had some other interest in potentially talking as well, but you and I can talk about that off air. So who knows where we'll pop up?
0: <laughs> who but... knows? I know where we haven't popped up yet. I have not given up the dream, but the International Space Station. It's not, its you can't run forever, NASA. I'm eventually going to get a hold of somebody <laughs> that's going to answer a damn question. If you know someone from NASA, you know your cousin's brother, twice removed sister, she dated a guy one time. Anything that could help us out with the uh Mission Galactica, please send us an email and let us know because I am having, I keep writing emails and they keep not answering them, but eventually somebody's going to have to, right? Someone
1: will eventually have to. I mean, honestly, if you would have thought several months ago that we would have somebody listening in Antarctica, you'd have been like, whatever, guys, you're stupid. And then Bjorn came
0: along. Oh, Bjorn. Bjorn, buddy, you're still in our hearts. Our, our thoughts and our prayers
1: so mission galactica still, still a mission. mission
0: but you know what damn bjorn does everything maybe bjorn will end up going hey guys i'm an astronaut i'm like son of a bitch <laughs> we're, we're gonna get them all now thank you bjorn
1: hey whatever I that's right that's that's our that's bjorn. our bjorn we so. love you
0: buddy we know you're listening and this episode you're in our hearts buddy
1: well, Tom, are you ready to uh, jump into the story that you may have
0: missed? As always.
1: So this one uh, you may not have missed, but I felt like it was something that we should certainly discuss. This kind of made its rounds on social media and throughout several news organizations over Halloween. When a uh, Australian anti-vaxxer mom reportedly said she was going to give out trick-or-treat candy tainted with chicken pox, saying that uh, the candies would help give the kids the infection that her son had so that they could get the chicken pox over with and be immune for life. Now, this person did claim to be an Aryan and claimed to work at a hospital in uh, Brisbane. However, that has been proven to be incorrect as they have come out and said, we don't have anybody by that name. Uh, The CDC has also come out to say that the likelihood of spreading the chickenpox vaccine, or not the vaccine, you know, vaccines are important, Uh, the uh, chickenpox virus through something like a a lollipop would be relatively low given that it doesn't survive long on substances like that. But Tom, I knew that you would probably have an opinion on this uh, topic. So, with that being said, sir... What do you think?
0: I hope somebody fed her to a kangaroo. There you go. I, 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 because here, look. I find it repulsive enough when somebody is anti-vax. There are people out there that have legitimate reasons for not getting some vaccines. That's not what I'm talking about. If your opinion is that you're anti-vaccine, whatever, I, I, you're a public nuisance. But I guess that within and of itself is your choice. When you are purposely trying to cause public panic and harm, as far as I'm concerned, I hope a dingo eats her baby. So there you go. Her chicken box invicted baby. Yes. <laughs>
1: Again, the, the name was proven to be false. It may have just been somebody who was trying to get their five minutes of fame, and now we're talking about them. So, hell, I guess they got what they wanted out of it. But still kind of a shitty way to to do things. I mean, especially when you're literally giving them the exact same thing that the vaccine would to an extent. I mean, you're giving them immunity without causing the infection. I
0: I just, the world is sad enough currently. Like, we don't need somebody harming kids with popsicles and ruining Halloween. Halloween's my my favorite holiday. Like, good Lord, man. Like, that's what we need on top of this
1: which I'm not familiar with Australian laws. And so if somebody out there, cause we do have listeners in Australia. So if you are shoot us an email, but I'm assuming that if this was done somewhere in the United States that you could even go through, like, are they potentially passing like a bioterrorism type? Uh, you're spreading a virus. I know in
0: most States, most States alteration of food is uh, actually a form of battery. And so you can be charged at least with a high misdemeanor or a low felony. As it should be. As it should be, especially when it's with kids. Oy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I hope somebody uh, gives her a counterclockwise swirly or whatever direction the toilet water goes down there. and um, Yeah, it's up. Yeah, and ruins her day. That's what I'm hoping.
1: There we go. All right. Well, Tom, this was going to be our Halloween episode. Obviously, we're a few days late because, well, shit
0: happened. Past tense. Yeah.
1: But... (laughs) Tom, last year for our Halloween episode, we covered some medieval practices, medicines, things like that, that we kind of had a good time kind of chuckling about. And so we thought, you know, why not make that an annual thing, right? I mean, there's so much medieval shit that we can talk about with some different medical techniques and different things that occurred in that time that we thought we'd make it an annual thing. So this is our second annual medieval medicine. It's our spooky, scary episode, Tom.
0: Mm. Most of these things made me cringe. Well, <laughs> so, reading them so, online, I was like, whew, yeah. I would like to say that this year, instead of just doing pure devices, we, we added in a few other things. I mean, they're all medieval or renaissance or something like that, but they are things that we just found really interesting and we thought fit well with this time of year since we can't exactly say Halloween right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then we're going to give a couple of history lessons at the end of some interesting things that we found as well. So yeah,
0: it all fits together.
1: Well, Tom, who had the first one was it me or you? You good, sir? Okay. Well, Tom, let me tell you about eye surgery in the medieval days. Don't do you know, it. No, no, they did it. <laughs> I don't know how. You got to wonder. Like, I'm, I'm going to digress for just a, a short minute. Like, you got to wonder how thing, some of these things come about. You know, who ate the first egg from a chicken's ass? You know, there's different things. Like, so in this eye surgery, middle ages, surgeons would use what they describe as a painful process called needling to perform cataract surgery. It involved a thick, flat needle. The doctor would push directly into the edge of the cornea with no anesthetic, except for maybe a cup of wine And the idea was to push the opaque lens back into the lowest part of the eye, which would result in a clear pupil. Generally, however, the patient was left with an unfocused eye, sort of kind of like a camera with no lens. The amount of vision would only allow the person to read huge letters found on modern eye tests, like the big E at the top. So uh, no uh, anesthetics and taking a flat needle and pushing your cornea around. Tom, what do you think, bud?
0: I think when my eyes stop spontaneously watering. Right. Oh, oh my God. I mean, the whole. So I'm going to lay here and you're going to take an ice pick, which I'm sure has been thoroughly sanitized.
1: Oh, multiple uh, times. Yes, yes, I'm sure. Yes.
0: <laughs> and, then, and then I'm going to allow you to jam that in my eye, during which you know everyone's standing around the whole time is like, "Stop moving!" <laughs> like, oh right? My God. Like, I, oh. these people were—they're
1: braver than I am, man. I don't know that I could do it, but oh, that is seriously—it's making my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that that's better. Which i I don't have cataracts. So, I don't know what it's like to have cataracts, but I guess you get so desperate to be able to see that, I guess, going from that to being able to at least see the big E on the eye chart is, I guess, a somewhat of a positive uh, forward momentum, but
0: damn. And I'm sure there's very accurate documentation about how many people ended up just losing their eyeballs completely due to this procedure. Right. So, yeah.
1: Anyway. Oh, God. Eyeball surgery, Tom. That's what we're starting with. And it's just going to go downhill from there. Oh,
0: oh man. Well, mine is less a – well, it's it's another examination, but it is not a surgical one. And it kind of goes into one of your side jobs that we've talked about before, coroner. Yes. And I'm sure I'm going to butcher this name. It's called cruentation. C-R-U-E-N-T-A-T-I-O-N, if somebody wants to read about this. I actually heard it on another podcast called Lore. They talked about this for a minute, kind of fit in with everything, and I decided to look up on it. So what this is, have you ever heard of this, Ben, by any chance? No, I haven't. No, sir. Um, You might find this useful as a deputy coroner. So what you do is, there's a dead person. Okay. All right. They might have some wounds, so you think that there has been a murder, so, you drag the body over to the person you think who did it and you make them touch the body. And if blood comes from the wounds, that person's guilty. That's cruentation in, in, in a nutshell. Hmm. Yeah. So, apparently, it's a yes, it's very, very scientific. Yes. So it's actually apparently based off Germanic law systems from medieval Germany, Poland, Bohemia, uh, including the United Kingdoms. What they believed, for lack of a better, is either A, it was divine intervention, or B, that blood was magnetic to itself. So like if I stabbed you and I had your blood on my hands, your blood would be attracted to your blood that was on me
1: of course no one what we know now you see the fallacy in that but I mean I guess I could see the I mean at least that's somewhat scientific
0: no it's not <laughs> but, <laughs> so I'm, assu- I'm assuming what, what I thought was because I, I understand where you're going is that they, they took something that seemed like common sense and they put two and two together and they equaled eight and I was like no what I think it is is you know, and, and we've all had blood on us at some point it's almost got that viscous stickiness to it. And I think maybe that's what they were going. Oh, well, if it's sticky and it's sticking to itself, which it's not, we know that's the plasma and platelets and all that stuff gunking up, but they're like, oh, so therefore, and they just let things go from there. I just cannot imagine how horrifying it would have been to be like, what? I I don't even know this guy. Well, when you touch him, he bleeds. Well, yeah, he's got stab wounds. Like, what else did you expect to come out of those things? So, yeah. It, but as much as I like to bitch about the modern legal systems of the world, man, it is a far cry better than being medieval or Renaissance uh, trials. Because this is just one. You know, there was trial by hot iron, which was you had to hold a hot piece of iron and walk a prescribed distance. And then if your wounds didn't heal, you were guilty. <laughs> like, if you were holding a hot, red-hot piece of iron. What, what was supposed to happen? So, Or dunking. Have you heard of dunking?
1: No, 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 I have
0: not. Dunking, um, and I'll let you do the next one, but dunking was a, for, for finding witches. They had a huge chair tied to a pole, and they would dunk you into a freshwater body of, well, a freshwater body body like lake whatever Um, right and if you and if 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 i remember this correctly if you're pure the water wouldn't reject you so you would drown but you were innocent but if you yeah hold on but if but if if you weren't pure like you were a witch the water would reject you and then they'd kill you for being a witch (laughs) so pretty much no matter what happens you're dead yeah You got to love that system. Yeah. So, uh, crew and though, I thought out of all the things I read about or have heard about recently, I was like, that to me was the most interesting, like, so, uh, blood's attracted to blood and therefore that's how you know who killed somebody. Gotcha.
1: Hmm. And when you touch them, then blood comes out. I don't know what they're, what were they expecting? If
0: like you didn't do it, like chocolate, um, great. They actually, there were documented cases, where they had this and nothing happened and so they're like you're you're obviously innocent even though the guy basically would confess later and that's how they figured out what was going on <laughs> they were like nope nope you touch this dead well there was one um and again it was from that podcast lore so i want to give all the props out to it but he tells about the case they dig up the body after a certain period of time and i was like well, there's probably no blood it's probably all coagulated so there's no way even if I wanted, like, if I punched him, like, nothing's going to come out. So That's the
1: trial. I <laughs> yes. Want. Yes. Um, you
0: have to wait six months for me to touch his body. So, ugh.
1: I touched that skeleton and nothing happened. So, I'm, I'm innocent. But we have a video of you doing it. Yes. Uh, no, no. See, I touched it.
0: I just, nothing. in my head, I have these, like, Monty Python-esque videos of people, like, I didn't kill him. Yes, you did. There was blood on your hands. No, no, no. I I didn't do it. Like, oh my God. But anyways, yeah. So that's, that's my first one. Crew All right.
1: Well, Tom, let's talk about battles. Great battles happened in the middle ages,
0: right? Huge battles, huge, great battles.
1: So let's talk about being a surgeon on the battlefield. So uh, the use of the longbow flourished in the middle ages, which created a real problem for surgeons as far as how to get the uh, arrows Heads out of the bodies of soldiers. So, apparently, the way that they were made, the arrowheads weren't necessarily glued to the shafts. They were attached with a warm beeswax. So, after the wax set, they could be handled normally, but once they were shot, the head would generally come off inside of the body. So, one, and I've seen two different <laughs> answers for this. One answer to getting those arrowheads out was the arrow spoon, Tom. It was uh, designed by an Arab physician, and the spoon was basically inserted into the wound and attaches itself around the arrowhead to be drawn uh, from the wound without causing further damages as the barb rip out. The other thing that I seen was a tool called an arrow remover, and this is if the uh, shaft of the arrow remains. They held the shaft of the arrow in the center barrel of a scissor-like arrow remover, but unlike scissors, Tom, the sharp edges of the blades faced away from the center. So as if having an arrow in you wasn't bad enough, the blades cut the scan so that the arrowhead could be removed without any, without much further in, injury anyway.
0: Roger that.
1: Huh. So, arrow spoons and uh, scissor arrow, arrow scissors, I, I
0: guess it's just not a clever name when it actually gets the arrow out. Like, I would just name everything the arrow remover. Yeah. Is that an arrow remover? Sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: I got two arrow
0: removers at the end of both my arms. (laughs) They're called hands. (laughs) I just pull and arrows come out. It's amazing.
1: Pull hard enough, I guess you. uh, I guess you could, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, the English longbow was a terrible or fantastic weapon, depending on whichever side you found yourself on. I guess, and uh, I can see how that that would be. That would be a bad. I, you're going to need some arrow remover tools if you're fighting guys that are firing longbows at you.
1: Which I mean, I mean yeah, it makes sense. So I mean, I'm sure it was a, a it was a out of necessity to come up with this. Like we got to get this shit out of people, so we can't just go digging our hand in there. So let's come up with something to to remove them. So
0: no and that makes sense also some trivia from last time i checked and if somebody has a little more updated information feel free to contact the show so the air force calls doctors flight surgeons even if you're a regular doctor you're still called flight surgeon right army calls all their physicians war surgeon really I did not yeah. know that. Well, so a flight surgeon from the Air Force told me that. So I don't have specific, but I choose to believe that that is still 100% accurate.
1: It seems, it seems reasonable to me. I'm with you, Tom. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, if and if that's true. not true, if that's not true, we're going to make it a thing. So everybody just start calling them war surgeons, and we'll just get back to that. I like it. I like it, too. All right. What you, so? What do you got up so next, Tom? Yeah, it's my turn now. And not only is this my favorite time of the year. But we just recently passed up the ten year anniversary of my favorite affliction of all time, having a kidney stone. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. And that was a popular episode. That what people love hearing me suffering. So um so I found an interesting tool. And again, um if you know a better way to pronounce any of these things or something like that, feel free to get a hold of me. But this device is called a lithotomy cachet or that's what I'm calling it. And what the lithotomy cachet is is a device that conv- combines a bunch of terrible things all into one. Okay. So what it does is it's a long metal shaft that they would insert like a catheter. So first of all, let's just start off with that. Okay. You have a long metal tube going up your urethra yes so you already have a kidney stone step one kidney stone sucks step two old-timey doctor who tried to knock you out with a concoction of turpentine and cocaine now is taking a long unsterilized metal tube and jamming it up your urethra
1: which step three okay but for for modern times we're not Completely far off, minus the metal tube. I mean, we use plastic now, but still, okay. Continue.
0: Yeah, but I mean, again, I'm sure it wasn't sterilized. I'm sure there's rough edges, and it's not flexible. Like, the modern rubber catheter is flexible. So, as you move your urethra flexes, it is able to move. Not so with a metal catheter. True. That's going to be unpleasant. But... If that wasn't fun enough, Ben, step three is there are small hidden blades within the end of the lithotomy cachet. Oh, okay. And once they get to where they think it is and they can't pull out that stone, they pull this trigger like device on it and the blades extend now puncturing and cutting whatever tissue is in front of them, making holes big enough for them to then be able to pull out. Hmm. Yes. And also some of them, the fancy versions apparently had small metal arms that could, quote, divide the neck of the bladder and prostate via a lever. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Mm. Mm. That's, that's wholesomeness right there.
1: Tiny little robot arms
0: expanding your prostate. Expanding your prostate while rusty little blades start puncturing your uh, bladder. Randomness because it's not like they can see through it. So, yes, just,
1: that's like in the dark. Exactly.
0: Yeah, there's no cystoscope up there with this, by the way.
1: We're just cutting random shit and see what happens.
0: <laughs> I'm going to keep yanking till a stone comes out.
1: <laughs> or until I get your tonsils out, I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, if you're not cringing while you're driving around listening to this, something you need a psychological evaluation because what I just described has got to be one of the most terrible things I've ever heard of.
1: Well, Tom, so the kidney stone story that I found from the middle ages apparently was prior to your uh, lovely device there.
0: Mm, let me, while you're, while you're doing that, I'm going to try and see if I have a specific time. 18th I'm century going- France there you go that's what it says
1: this doesn't give a time
0: on this well that's a pretty other rough it, time <laughs> middle
1: ages is what I what, what it says <laughs> yeah. so yeah. and first off Tom I'm going to send you this picture later of the uh, renaissance painting of the metal catheter with the doctor catheting the man with two other guys just nonchalantly watching it's interesting I'll send it to you later Um, so Mm. in the middle ages, before they devised your little ureter torture device, um, Mm. what they would have to do is they had to get a little more interesting. The physician's assistant would sit on top of the patient while you had your legs strapped to your
0: neck. Already. This sounds like a fun Saturday night. As the assistant held you tightly... Well, he better.
1: (laughs) Especially for what's fixing to happen. He needs to, you know, caress you and hold you tightly. Uh, The physician would then insert two fingers up your rectum and press a fist against your pubes until he found a hard pellet that would signal a stone. And then the stone was, therefore, after that was extracted through the person's uh, bladder with a sharp instrument. So I'm assuming like a scalpel.
0: So uh, did you have to pay extra for a third <laughs> finger? Like, what, is, there, is there a special, like, what what's going on here?
1: I, I just want to, the, the whole picture of sitting on top of you, your legs are strapped to your neck. <laughs> They're holding you tightly and, violating your, uh, your sacred space there, Tom. Um, uh, yeah. And then you got to wonder, how did they figure out that two fingers was the magic number? Like, well, one's not working. Three's
0: too much, so... I'm going to tell you right now, <coughs> I guarantee you beyond any shadow of any doubt that if you try and shove any amount of fingers into my sacred space looking for a kidney stone. So I'm already in a great mood and now you're doing that. Yeah. Right. You better bring more than a yes. physician's assistant to, uh, to get this done. Cause it's not going to happen. Oh my God. That was brutal.
1: But he's going to hold you tightly and caress you. Well,
0: only if he sings yeah. once, twice, three times a lady while this is <laughs> going on. What's new pussy cat, but it has to play it 21 times in a row. Yes. Oh, and if you guys don't know what we're talking about, those are all comedy acts. So I highly suggest YouTubing those or uh, Googling them at some point. If you feel like you got 20 minutes and you need to laugh so hard you pee your pants. Those are good stories.
1: All right, Tom. What else? Uh, I think your next one kind of involves the same general region, correct?
0: Roger that. So this one's for all the ladies out there. So, hey, lady. Hello ladies. <laughs> so, uh again, um Victorian error. That's about the only thing I, I truly have. And I'm sure I could have looked up more on this, but honestly, nah, after I saw the picture, I was good. So, which I which I have seen the picture, Tom. Said yeah, we're going to gonna, we need to post this. This is the picture where we, we need will to post with this thing. So, this is going to be about a vaginal washer. Mm. Just marinate on that for a minute.
1: Okay. I'm assuming not a washer like a uh,
0: like a nut and washer. Yes, right? no, not. Ooh, oh, I was a nut man. washer. There you go. Um, oh, sexual harassment yeah. suits can be filed with um, Ben <laughs> because that's not coming on me. I'm trying to be educational, Ben. Could you just tone it down for just a second, sir?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, my apologies, again, sir. Please continue educating us on the vaginal washer.
0: Yes. Um, so I'm gonna talk about a specific model I found. The Lawson's vaginal washer. That's right. It used to be an entire product line. The Lawsons was the Cadillac of vaginal washers. I don't know. I would like to make sure I point this out at the very beginning. I also noticed that all of the devices and associated products with this device were all designed by men. So that should that should just go ahead and just set the yeah just just let you know where we're going with all this information. So I'm going to try and describe this thing real quick. So there are. Three vertical flaps for lack of a better term, squeegee's that are in the end of a metal cap, and there's a central metal spoke with like little holes in it, and they all go down to like this little round turnstile thing with a lever on it. So it's like an egg beater, but instead of being bulbous, it's it's vertical and just round. And there's only one instead of two with a traditional egg beater. And apparently, and what was that, Ben? Good call. Yeah. Just one, not two. Apparently, at some point, you put some kind of fluid into the middle so it goes into that metal spoke I was just talking about. And as you turn it, water shoots through those holes into the vagina and the squeegee things, like a comically terrible window washer are supposed to scoop the water out as it's going. And if that wasn't bad enough, so some people decided, hey, this lost vaginal washer, by golly, this thing's going to really catch on. So they decided to make some specific solutions to go into this metal spoke, such as Dr. Halsworth's Medicated Lady Parts Sullivan. No, I did not make that up. I wish I had, but (laughs) that is a legitimate name of a product that would go in there never mind all the things that we know about this and then no way could this have helped and almost certainly caused damage and made things much worse every time it was used i just think that windex missed a marketing opportunity <laughs> oh look at this ladies like um it looks like a sprinkler had gone wrong i don't know with squeegee it's <laughs> i mean if you think about it, that's the one thing that they did correct with this. They put the squeegee right with the nozzle. I mean, the only, thing, that, the only thing they're
1: missing is, uh, you know, the like the guy at the end of the car wash to, like, dry your car off. I mean, that's all they're really missing on this tool for the the.
0: I'm just saying. <laughs> so, again, oh, God, this thing. And, I mean, we're laughing, but this could not have been an enjoyable experience. No, I'm sure. It I mean, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, there's no way in hell <laughs> that if Ben was my physician and he said, hey, we need to shove some Dr. Halsworth's Lady Part Sullivan into your wife, I'd be like, well, that's not happening today. Unless you want me to go into looking for some of your kidney stones. You know what I'm saying? But You're Dr. not. <laughs> is number one with the lady well, parts. He- yes. He may be number seven in marketing, but he's number one in our hearts. Exactly. No, I, I, I just can't get over that. Not that many things have changed. Lots of men in political positions think they can control women's bodies. I don't see how this has really changed nowadays, but. Oh, I. So I'm assuming
1: that these scoring which I, I don't have a vagina. So if I'm incorrect, please send us an email and correct me. I don't mind. I'm assuming the the squirting aspect of it's probably not uncomfortable. Um, you know, I mean they're they make douches and
0: and stuff. Um, but I can't believe we're going down this road. Okay. We're, oh, we're
1: going. Buddy.
0: Oh, we're going.
1: <laughs> Hitch the wagons <laughs> But I'm thinking the squeegee cannot feel like. My assumption is, based on you know some knowledge that I have, that's probably somewhat sensitive tissue, that you're. Uh, Running the old uh, window squeegee across.
0: <laughs> and what was the point of the fucking squeegee? Like that's clean. So like you spray the solvent on and then that supposed to wipe it and clear it out. And it doesn't specify what that's for, by the way. Like, I mean, they they never say, so if you suspect a woman of having syphilis, you should use vaginal. Like there's no criteria set for use of this device apparently this is (laughs) yes this is completely whimsical at if she wants to fuck with the guy and be like okay you're gonna use the old vag washer on me or he's like whatever lady i'm bored and it's sunday let's uh let's get some vag washing done i don't know i i don't know what the the process was but like the squeegee parts are like exposed so yeah i can't imagine that's fun to have a salad tosser going round in there. Second of all, the water may have been okay. Again, I don't know. It might have been, but we're not using water, remember? We're using something called solvent. Lady <laughs> Yeah, lady parts solvent. So I don't even want to imagine what that has in it. Hmm. Okay. I bet you it stings.
1: Probably a little bit, yeah. Well, Tom, are we ready to move on from the vagina temporarily?
0: Uh, Let me think about it for a minute. Mm, Sure, yes.
1: Well, you know, we're wanting to talk about Halloween and uh, the spookiness, and so I, I found one, Tom. The old cannibal cures. So, you know. Apparently, there are lots of things back in the Middle Ages that, you know, you could cure headaches, muscle cramps, stomach ulcers. You would often get prescribed an elixir containing human flesh, blood, or
0: bone. Whoa, stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. What was this?
1: Once upon a time, your local physician may have prescribed you an elixir containing human flesh, blood, or bone. It was so-called corpse medicine, and the Romans believed that the blood of fallen gladiators could cure epilepsy. In the 12th century, they were known for keeping a stock of, quote, mummy powder, which was a uh, extract made from ground-up mummies looted from Egypt. And then, as far as the 17th century, um, King Charles II was known for enjoying... King Drops, which was a restorative brew made from crumbled human skull and alcohol. Uh, the Consuming the remains of a deceased person, the patient also ingested part of their spirit, leading to increased vitality and well-being. The type of cure usually res- uh, or corresponded to the type of ail- ailment. Skull was used for migraines. Human fat was for muscle aches. And uh, then it even makes recommendations that the uh, sickly would even attend executions in hope of getting a cheap cup of freshly killed person's blood.
0: What do you got, Tom? (laughs) Well, there's so much to cover. First of all, the next time I talk to you about my funeral, I don't want to hear anybody laugh. Apparently, I have been on to an ancient medical Condition this entire goddamn. You run. have yes, so which people don't know everybody out there that said that what your your plans are. But yes, you you apparently have. I was thinking
1: that as I was reading it, particularly the uh, the king's drops, of, King drops. Brew of of crumbled skull and alcohol. alcohol. Yes, like that. It's got
0: yeah, Tom buddy. Written all over <laughs> I I oh man I much like what we were talking about earlier. And honestly, I know there are parts of the world where they still believe in stuff like this now, like uh, they'll make local alcoholic brews with like snakes in the alcohol because they believe like that little bit of venom from the snake will get into the alcohol and that'll give them, you know, more power. I think there is a very I mean, I know we're being funny tonight, but I think there is a very animalistic part of the human nature where we go. Well, if tigers are badass, and I eat tiger, then I'm gonna be bad. I'm gonna be badass. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean,
1: I mean, it worked for Charlie Sheen. So, oh yeah,
0: tigers' blood, yes. winning. <laughs> so, uh, I I wanna completely condemn them, but at the same time, they were like, "Well, this guy, you know, he killed twelve people in the gladiator pit, so clearly, if I get some of that into me, I don't. Yeah, I, don't I know. just." I don't know I just but at the same time you just gotta wonder at some point they're like yeah but he's dead now (laughs) so how badass could he have been you killed him so I mean but now we're going to
1: crush his skull up and uh ingest it apparently yeah
0: so uh but yeah no I it's funny enough I've heard of bits and pieces of this in different places. I've never heard it called that one term cannibal, you know, medicine, but yeah. Um, but I have heard of the, you know, the executioners and the blood and uh, curing for epilepsy and stuff like that. So I was like, Oh my God, it just, I, I want to know though, The like you said earlier with the chicken and the egg, like who was the first person who said, you know, I bet if I could just find a guy getting executed for pissing off the king And I drank some of his blood. That's going to cure my son's epilepsy. Like, or better yet, I want to watch the first guy who had the balls to convince somebody else to to do do this. Like, yeah, like the town drunks, like, oh, I know how to fix your son. Just get him some of the old neck blood and that will get to fix it. And he's chuckling his ass off. And this guy accidentally get some blood and somehow miraculously the kid improves and now that, he's like, Well, son of a bitch. That's what <laughs> I was gonna,
1: but at some point, either through folklore or whatever, there had to have been some sort of improvement somewhere for it to have garnered so much attention. They didn't have Facebook in that day where you could just make up a bullshit post and it get shared thirty seven thousand times.
0: Well, you know, and I am sure there are cases of like childhood epilepsy that the kid didn't matures and they don't seem to have the problems. So that's what the parents said. Well, I gave him roasted goat blood, and now they got better. better. Yeah, and so somebody just took it to the next step, and they're like, "Well, if I get an actual human, oh, watch out! I will live forever until I don't. (laughs) Until I don't. Yeah, (laughs) right." God, it is it is well, a pretty terrifying aspect. Well, first of all, imagine how terrifying it was to be the person having seizures. I don't know what's going on. I randomly, you know, can't control anything. Yeah, that would be pretty terrifying within and of itself.
1: Let's take you and tie you to a chair and dunk you in the water and let's see if you survive. And if you do, then we know what's well, causing that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, oh, man, these medieval guys. That was... Uh, you know, people are like, they had a shorter lifespan. I'm like, yeah, why would you want to live?
1: <laughs> because everything...
0: There's no air conditioning. You know, you have to eat dead bodies to stay alive. I. Everything
1: smells like shit. Yeah, it's good times.
0: Everything, yeah. There, everyone is always like, well, you know, they, yeah, they had no sewage. No sewer lines. That had to be fragrant. Yeah. So...
1: Well, Tom, I, I thought I would uh, wrap up with that cannibal one before we go into some some history of some different things. Um,
0: yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to cover something that you know is pretty popular. Day we're only going to talk about one aspect of it, and then we're going to f- finish up with something funny with you. But I wanted to bring about Ben. Do you know who Edward Anthony Jenner is? Um. Uh...
1: No, the name sounds-
0: He is an he is an English doctor and scientist who is known as the pioneer of vaccinations. Okay, I have for creating idea. yeah, okay yeah for creating the smallpox vac- vaccine. I don't have a specific year, uh, sometime between 1749 and 1823. Okay, by the way, a small little bit of information since 430 BC. People had started realizing if I vaccinate people, they tend to get less sick. That's how long vaccinations and information on vaccinations have been around.
1: No, big pharma says otherwise.
0: Yes, because, uh, you know, Pfizer was around 430 B.C., so that really proves a lot of points. Exactly. So um, w- the story goes that Jenner noticed that milkmaids tended to to not catch smallpox, milkmaids being people that worked in and around cows milking and delivering that milk. So these people were apparently able to work with the cows, and then they were able to walk amongst the people that were infected with smallpox, not catching smallpox, but still able to deliver their milk, etc. Oh, here we go, 1796. So 1796, Jenner was able to find a young man that was willing to be vaccinated eight-year-old an eight-year-old oh my god named james phipps volunteered to have him open up a cowpox pustule and take some of the pus stab him with a small needle type device and place the pus into the open wound thus now vaccinating him hmm so that's that's roughly how it came about and i found it really interesting um he did a series of experiments which was published in 1798 and he coined the term vaccine which comes from vaca which in latin means cow so every time we talk about vaccines we're we're roughly invoking the name of cows really yeah there you go interesting I thought that was a interesting little tidbit of information, and yeah, there you go. I had I think, parts of that. I do like which part? As you, you,
1: well, as you were talking, I'm like, okay, I do kind of remember that from school, like the like the uh, the milkmaids that were able to walk through and not have yeah. issues like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I didn't know the specific name or times. I just remember that they figured out, hey if we take a little bit of the pus and scab from this guy and we put it into this guy, <laughs> guy B doesn't seem to get sick.
1: Yeah, he so, has less problems. Huh?
0: He does have a weird story to talk about getting stabbed. So, I mean, there's there that. is that, I mean, he doesn't, well, he not have to deal with having an arrow removed from him. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Didn't have to get scissored to get it out or whatever. Yeah did had to eat school.
0: There you go. Didn't have a vaginal washer placed in them.
1: Whew. Well, speaking of, speaking of vaginas, Tom said you come back around to that.
0: It always comes back around to that. So true.
1: So on our previous medieval episode, we had talked briefly about how the, uh, vibrator was discovered was basically a cure for hysteria for women. And, um, Doctors invented that as a way to to cure women from hysteria because they were tired of manually doing it themselves. And that was a pretty popular uh, portion of the show. So I kind of wanted to, I found something interesting that I felt we needed to share, Tom. And this is kind of the history of female hysteria and the vibrator. So,
0: Regale me with your tail, sir.
1: I sure will. We're gonna go back to five hundred BC, so just a little ways back. Oh oh Hippocrates. No, no. Hippocrates, yeah. <laughs> Socrates. Right. So they referred to ailments that were caused by a displaced and discontented uterus. And that that's actually where the term hysteria comes from. It comes from Hystra, which is the Greek word for uterus. So we're going to uh, move into the Middle Ages. Hysteria then became known as um, suffocation of the womb, and it was blamed on the retaining of blood or of corrupt and venomous uterine humors that should be purged in the same way that men are purged of the seed which at that point then was either through marriage or pelvic massage. (laughs) We're going to move a little bit further ahead now.
0: Everything you're saying right now can be turned into something. So you were just talking about purging stuff, and you're like, and I'm moving ahead. I'm like, yeah, I bet you are there.
1: (laughs) In 1660, uh, Nathaniel Highmore was an English surgeon who was one of the few doctors to publicly acknowledge that the end result of uh, pelvic massage, the hysterical paroxysm, could be described as an orgasm, noted that it was no easy task. Um, he likened it to that of quote the game of boys in which they tried to rub their stomachs with one hand and pat their heads with the other. So even back in the 1600s, it was difficult to <laughs> reach the pinnacle of orgasm for females. Maybe
0: maybe for you guys. I'm just (laughs) saying. (laughs) 1681.
1: Tom, English physician uh, Thomas Sydenham estimated that hysteria was the most common disease after fever, accounting for a sixth of all human medical problems. Among women, he wrote quote, there is rarely one who is wholly free from them. Again, doesn't really
0: kind of surprise me. First of all, what the hell is going back on in England? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're just the only ones that decided to keep records about it.
1: That probably could be. Let's um, we're gonna go into 1869 now, Tom. We're gonna move forward. George Taylor. An American doctor. He patented the first steam-powered vibrator in
0: 1869. Hold up. Uh, steam,
1: steam, steam-powered. Do you want to know what it was called, Tom?
0: If it's not called the pat, <laughs> no, go on. I'm going to get in trouble. We're just, just tell me what it's called.
1: It just, yeah, it was, okay, it's the manipulator.
0: <laughs> That's not where I was going, but yeah, sure.
1: It was, it was a large and cumbersome table with a cutout for a vibrating sphere. And while he recommended his device to treat pelvic disorders, he did warn that women should be supervised to prevent overindulgence.
0: I'll supervise it. <laughs>
1: uh, there you go. 1882 was when the first electromechanical vibrator was patented by British doctor Joseph Granville in the early 1880s. Now listen to this, Tom. It was, uh, it was portable but unwieldy it ran on a 40 pound battery it was manufactured by British medical manufacturer Weiss he himself disapproved of using his vibrator to treat hysterical women advocating for its use on male skeletal muscles only however most of his doctors were eager to pass the labor intensive time consuming task of giving women hysterical paroxysms off to the machine One doctor raved in 1906 that manual massage, (laughs) uh, quote, consumes a painstaking hour to accomplish much less profound results that are easily affected by the vibrator in a short five or ten minutes. Hour. Hour. Tom. Let's go to 1898. For centuries galloping on horseback. Riding in carriages or vigorous use of the rocking chair had been recommended to treat hysteria. In Mm. the Victorian era, these methods entered the home with a variety of jolting chairs, electric rockers, and saddle machines to choose from. Wow. This, there's an ad actually attached to this one. The horse exercise at home from Vigor promised to cure not only hysteria, but also gout and obesity. (laughs) 1902, the vibrator was the fifth home appliance to be electrified. After the sewing machine paved the way in 1889, the fan, kettle, toaster, and then vibrator quickly followed. It beat the vacuum and the iron by about a decade.
0: Gotta, you got to have priorities.
1: Clearly. 1918, Sears, Roebuck, and company ran ads hawking various newfangled electrical appliances, including a $5.95 vibrator, and a slew of vibratory attachments as, quote, aids that every woman appreciates, unquote. Wink, wink. In 1952, the American Psychological Association officially dropped the term hysteria from their books. So, you know,
0: there was was that. Losers.
1: (laughs) And then moving into more uh, modern times, the first peer-reviewed study on vibrator use found that 53% of American women... And 45% of men have used a vibrator The study found that people who use them had had happier sex lives And were more responsible about their sexual health That was in 2009
0: Yeah, they have less hysteria So, clearly
1: And also, 2009 Tom, there's one state That their Supreme Court upheld The state's ban of On the sale of sex toys Making it the last state With such a law on the books You want to guess what state it was?
0: My gut instinct is Texas, but no, I am going to say either Arkansas or Mississippi.
1: You're in the right area, Alabama. The law included an exception for vibrators brought, bought for a bona fide medical, scientific, educational, legislative, judicial, or law enforcement purpose. Law enforcement. Uh, so <laughs> <yeah>. So <laughs> the state's Fail. sex toy shop simply ask customers to fill out an anonymous form promising that the purchase is for strictly health-related reasons. so
0: Yeah, it's to fix hysteria. That's your history
1: of the vibrator, thanks to MotherJones.com, from 500 B.C. up through current day, Tom.
0: Well, because I was wondering how women in Victoria-era England was getting rid of all the hysteria.
1: Well, one of the things that I read that was not in this little part that I found was interesting with, in regards to that, do you know where the word dildo came from, Tom?
0: Um no prior to uh,
1: developing the vibrator women would often use um hardened bread loaves that were often flavored with dill therefore being literally dill dough and uh that's how the name came about
0: no way no way yes sir no Yes. No. Yes. Yes. You're telling me that women were using hardened breadsticks that smelled like dill. Yes. So it basically smelled like a Reuben sandwich down there all the time.
1: Maybe that's what they needed the vaginal washer for, Tom. I don't know. No no way. I do not
0: believe that.
1: I will send you proof. All right. Anyway on that note time you got anything else before we wrap up
0: i hope people enjoy this and guys we seriously just have had life has been coming at us we will get back on the once a week track as soon as possible people have been you know saying what's going on that's what's going on so but no realistically i had a blast uh, we're both a little tired but i think um yeah, no, I had a good time. I just wish we, I wish life hadn't gone the way. We got this out on Halloween like we planned.
1: That was the plan, but it's okay. Well, it'll be okay.
0: Roger that. So,
1: anyway, if you did enjoy this, I hope you did. It was kind of just a kind of tongue-in-cheek episode to look back on medieval times again. And I suspect that if we're still doing this podcast next year, Tom, I think we'll do this again next year. Whoa, it'll whoa, whoa, medi- no. What's this if? I don't know. You might get busy. I don't know. <laughs> so, medieval uh, medicine three, Tom. Medieval medicine three.
0: Yeah. So, so if you have a good suggestion on a device or um, procedure or tidbit of information that you think would be great for the show, feel free to send us some information. Just put it in the header "medieval uh, medicine" or something so we know how to file it.
1: Yeah. And you can do that on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube, all at Just Some Podcasts. Or you can email us, admin at com, And, of course, our website is com. Tom, man, next week, Nurse Practitioner Week again. So we're going to come up with something to do for uh, celebrating all of the nurse practitioners that are out
0: there, including myself and yourself, sir. Thanks for reminding me. You're welcome. So
1: be the week of the NPs. So I'm sure we'll come up with something. I think last time we talked about the past, present, and future, but I'm sure we'll come up with something NP-related to celebrate all of us nurse practitioners. We do still have a big guest coming down the pipe at some point. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we can get this person to record with us and uh, go from there, dude. All right. On that note, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you have a wonderful week.
0: Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. But swearing oh, just to pass the time. I mean, that last? Lately I see why I am alone. I caught some road, and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known. Took press oh,